when companies see digital presence as a defensive measure, they have to be very careful with their strategy because what they tend to do is train their customers to go online to buy the services that they used to buy physically or that they used to buy through an intermediary. Um, but in doing that, they're training their customers to buy any service online and their customers come one step closer to being able to switch providers very easily. Mm -hmm. So if I can now you know, sign up for electricity online through a website, I can sign up to another website. If I can use car insurance to, uh, for uh, a large insurance company online, I can also switch to an aggregator online and it doesn't feel that different. Mm -hmm. You've actually, you've trained your customers to disrupt your own business model. So you have to be very careful with that. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Each Another podcast. It's uh, Tom here and I'm joined by our CEO, Mr. Jer O'Shaughnessy. How are you doing, Tom? Glad to be here. Well, Jer, what are we going to be talking about today? Tom, you asked me earlier on uh, what we talk to clients about, and I feel that it has a kind of flow because generally we introduce ourselves, they want to know what we do, and they want to see how we can address their problems. And that's what we want to talk about is, you know, what their problems are, how we address them, why we exist, mm -hmm. and why we believe we do a great job. Okay, so when you're, when you're talking to our clients then, how do you explain like what it is that each another actually do? And why? Uh, yes, and I think the why is every business really needs to be solving a problem to, to exist. There's no point in the business just being great at something, and we are a business. Um, I believe we solve a very, very big problem and one that's, that's really relevant today. Um, every business, every government, every organization is providing a service to its customers. Um, and that relationship between an organization and its customers only works um, if there are two things there, good value and a good experience. Um, for example, if I go to a coffee shop and I spend a long time queuing and I get a mediocre coffee, um, I don't want to come back. So I put value on that. I, I value my nice coffee and I resent bad service. Um, so how does this apply to something bigger? If I'm buying house insurance, for example, um, what, does that, what does that service feel like and what do people value when they're buying insurance? These are really important questions. Um, and I think they're more important now for a couple of reasons. One is if I go and buy a coffee, it's two or three euros and I do it in person and there's, a, there's an experience there that they can see how I'm feeling and I, I can interact with people. But if we buy insurance, um, we tend to do it online or over the phone and it's many, many multiples in terms of, of the price. So I may pay four or five or six hundred euro for that. Um, and there can be a disconnect. So companies have moved towards a digital model and they're actually pushing us towards digital shells but they no longer see us, they no longer connect with us. Um, and I may not feel the value in that transaction and they may, may not know what I really want anymore from that and there's no longer that connection there. What do each another do? Um, we use research to really understand what your customers truly value and we use design to provide that value to your customers with the very best experience. Sounds great, sign me up. <laughs> um, so like, I suppose there's a couple of, I think more and more in the industry, companies are starting to understand the value of design that they can have on their, have on their, on their businesses. So and one of the things that we offer is digital transformation or it's something that we help, help uh, our clients to, to do, you know, take a, a product or service and transform it into something that's much more valuable uh, to both the user and the business as well. So what are your thoughts on, on digital transformation and how we, how we help our clients? 
I, I guess that we provide services right across the, the, the range for like organizational change, service design, all of that. A lot of what we do tends to be around digital transformation because that's where, that's where companies tend to go when they want to make change. So that's where a lot of the battlefield is right now. I do believe we provide value before digital transformation, figuring out should you transform and, and should it be digital. But, um, but in terms of digital transformation, these are my thoughts. It's really important to know why organizations are doing this, and this is how, how we can understand how to help them. So firstly, um, basically, digital transformation is a form of automation, and we need to remember that, that companies want to automate more, um, and they tend to do that. So if I have a small sweet shop, uh, it's easier for me to provide a vending machine instead. It's cheaper. Clients still get uh, you know, their sweets, um, but uh, I make higher margin. Um, but that's an example of automation, I guess, at its lowest base. But to be sure, companies, when they undertake digital transformation, it's normally their intent is more automation. Uh, and they want to be digital, and they don't want to be left out of the, the digital world. It, that, that's the second point. It's a form of defense. A lot of companies now understand that the digital native consumer who's out there sees the digital world as the marketplace and will buy their goods there. And if they're not present in the digital world, then they're not present at all. And they, so firstly, they want to save costs by fully automating it. Secondly, they want to defend against digital disruption. I think there's two big problems here that are very often missed. Um, one is automation often tends to help the company more than it does the customer. It's a way of delivering services at lower costs and higher margin. And it quite often degrades the service. Uh, and it quite often becomes focused on what's good for the company and not necessarily what's good for the, the consumer. For example, if you, if you have a supermarket, but you can't serve some customers, you can open an online store and get them to go to the online store so that you can sell more goods to more people um, because they can't make the physical store. But it's for higher margin. Mm -hmm. They say it's about convenience, but it's not always about convenience. It doesn't often work out to be more convenient. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, when companies see digital presence as a defensive measure, they have to be very careful with their strategy because what they tend to do is train their customers to go online to buy the services that they used to buy physically or that they used to buy through an intermediary. Um, but in doing that, they're training their customers to buy any service online and their customers come one step closer to being able to switch providers very easily. Mm -hmm. So if I can now you know, sign up for electricity online through a website, I can sign up to another website. If I can use car insurance to, uh, for a, a large insurance company online, I can also switch to an aggregator online and it doesn't feel that different. Mm -hmm. You've actually, you've trained your customers to disrupt your own business model. So you have to be very careful with that. And yeah. uh, I don't believe that companies stop to think about that before they head off into uh, transformation programs. Yeah. I think the transformation programs often go wrong. Okay. And I, I think that's what, what well, it often leads us to. Yeah. So one of the points just on that, so in, uh, more educated client customers who beforehand, just use an example as a retail shop, your local, you're your, your doing your grocery shop. So whereas before you'd go to the one that's down the street, you know, the one that's closest by to you because it's, it's, yeah. it's going to be in the physical world. When you move on to digital, or you move on to online, for example, ordering your shopping or, or something like that, the distance between you and the actual shop no longer really makes a difference. Like if something's getting delivered to you, it could be coming from down the road or it could mm -hmm. be coming from, from, you know, Northern Ireland or from Cork or anything. Um, so that definitely makes, uh, makes it, you know, it kind of opens up a whole new world of possibilities, but also challenges as well. Sure. Businesses by pushing their, their, their users to online 
they're creating new challenges for themselves where they're kind of educating they're, they're, they're at a point where they could easily flip over to someone else do you think do you have any solutions around that or what, what, are, what are your what are your thoughts yeah I, I, I strongly believe that um, companies before undertaking digital transformation need to be aware of this that digital transformation isn't doing the same things better it needs to be doing better things and if you move your service fully online and for a number if, if for a number of reasons that's not uh, as good as it was or it's not better than the competition online you have actually disrupted yourself and and i think that really needs to be thought through because i think companies that tend to be a little bit behind the curve and jump to digital are the ones that will spend the most and may end up losing the most by taking the existing business and existing service onto a digital channel instead of reimagining what they they're taking the chance to reimagine so tell us some of the things that can go wrong with digital transformation programs. I think there's three big reasons in my, in, in my experience. One is intent. The very name digital transformation is almost saying we already know the answer. This is about digital. It's about technology. It shouldn't be about technology. It should be about your relationship with your client and what they value. Um, complexity is the other one. When you look at any reasonable size business and you look at taking their business completely digital, it has a whole number of layers from the front end right through to middleware, right through to, through to logistics at the back end. And it becomes a very complex problem very quickly. And when people see complex problems, they come up with complex solutions. They see it as, look, we're going to need a, a big budget. We're going to need a large team. We're going to need lots of complex thinking. Mm -hmm. And by definition, the program starts to justify itself as a success. If we get enough people and enough money in here and we do enough technology things, mm -hmm. um, our program is doing well. And that very complexity is the biggest risk to losing the connection to your customer, which should be what simply, what do they value? How do we provide that? Um, and uh, almost by definition, these programs overrun that and become a justification. And you hear a lot of digital people, digital program people saying, it's a success, we finished the project. That's not a success. Success is when you've got the right service with the right value has been adopted by your clients. Mm -hmm. And uh, often the client or the customer is lost the very minute it becomes a technology program. I think the third reason is uh, transformation. People, it, so it's digital transformation programs. The programs are too complex. The digital is too technology-based, not customer-based. And the transformation is often not really tr transformation. We, we talked in one of other podcasts about the corporate underpants, like what are people hiding underneath that is resistant to change? Um, what, what do we carry through? A lot of these programs tend to try to implement the same services with the same value through new digital means, doing the same things better mm -hmm. or faster. Um, and they spend millions of euros on this. Uh, however, um, that's not transformation. Um, they, there is an opportunity for people to reimagine their business to future-proof it, to understand what their clients value now, the, the Airbnb generation, and what they value going into the future, and make sure that you offer that service online, and that that's, the experience is exemplary, and therefore you are um, kicking off almost a new business that is future-proofed, rather than taking your old business model, lumping it onto line where it's online, where it's open to attack and disruption from a whole bunch of other people and other uh, technologies you don't know about. So I think... There are many reasons transformation programs go wrong. They're three of the main ones that I think of. The intent is wrong, the, the complexity takes over, and the transformation isn't really transformation. So I suppose like one of the things that we do is, you know, we're, we're a design agency and we, we, just, we, we work with uh, our clients to solve complex problems. 
and more and more now we're dealing with complex business problems it's not just a, an interface it's not just an app or a website we're helping them to think about the whole service um, and help them implement even grow the capability within their team and, and improve their own understanding of design thinking and problem solving and how they can how they can roll that out to throughout their, their company so how does how does design thinking fit into into this digital transformation everything that we do should be solving a problem for our partners our, our business clients um, so design thinking as a method is is brilliant but it must be solving a problem to be of use um, I believe it solves those big problems about the intent and the complexity and the transformation. For example, the design thinking immediately puts your customer at the center of all of the thinking and draws a line directly to them. And it, our qualitative research, which is which is deep research on smaller groups, really understands what their problems are with the existing user journey through your service and also they, what they truly value. And the, the, the insights about that are, are key to the very nature of your business. If you don't have that right, nothing you do will make it right. I think that's a great point. And that's something that, you know, I think a lot of the industry can get a little, can get quite hung up on data, you know, quantitative uh, research and analysis, and quite often omit or look overlook the actual the qualitative side of things. Like, so that's, you know, you can kind of look at the numbers, oh, this is performing well, or that's performing well, look at those numbers, look at the click rate, look, click to rate, look at the, the, the conversions and stuff. And quite often they can have a service that's that is, you know, it's functional. People are clicking through, and one click they can get to somewhere else. But that might not necessarily be where they want to go, or they might not actually have enough information before they hit that click button to go through to where they are. You know, they might have to have questions in their mind. I think that's 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 very easy to overlook. It, it's not only is it easy to overlook, but there is a scary trend in the industry now that the major companies in the world are technology companies they're led by technology people who naturally tend towards quantitative towards programmatic and in the very last instance towards robotic so we're now moving from uh, counting all the clicks to programmatically putting advertising in front of people to now suggesting that better relationship will be done by ai by by chatbots that is a worrying trend because it, it data shows you what people do it doesn't show you what they didn't do or how they felt. Where they made aware, where they empowered, where they educated. Why did they drop off? Not only that, but how did they feel when they were doing all of this? We work with one of the largest data companies, if not the largest data companies in the world. They have all of the data, but very little insight. Um, quantitative helps. So we also do quantitative, but we very much lean on qualitative to understand what people's emotions are and what their um, uh, uh, underlying needs are when they're trying to perform tasks and when they're trying to interact with companies and um, that you're absolutely right it's absolutely key and it, it, this industry if you like the, the world becoming digital and the world being run by digital people um, is a very big worry for the future relationship it's all data driven um, and we have I guess we, we draw this old diagram of the um, the iceberg uh, where people's uh, unstated latent needs are the ones that you really need to satisfy. None of those are available through clicks. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big way that design thinking fits in. So it, it gets to the heart of the digital transformation program before it starts to make sure that you're trying to, you're getting to the real value and building on that rather than spending millions of euro on technology to do the same old things faster. Um, I think it simplifies the complexity. So we one of our main artifacts is a user journey. and. It's a great chart of what's happening right now and how people feel when they're using your service. It's also, you can have a 2B user journey, which is how what the really good experience would look like. 
it performs a much bigger function than showing you what's happening. It becomes a touchstone for the organization and it overcomes the complexity of digital transformation programs by giving something that's almost in human form, uh, in human terms. This is how people feel when they're interacting. And then it bypasses the complexity. It allows you to look at, look at small features and, and functions in a, in, a, in a service and work out how they would work really successfully and deliver them. So it, it by providing simplicity, by, by making it accessible and then be able to deliver that, uh, you provide success and you bypass the five-year digital program that fails. Mm -hmm. um, the last thing I think is that the some of the biggest barriers to, as you mentioned it there, any digital transformation, any transformation program at all, are the internal stakeholders uh, who tend to be uh, you know ingrained in their own culture uh, it's difficult to change it's difficult to see how to change and there is a fantastic value to the collaborative nature of design thinking by being collaborative we bring the stakeholders in from the start they help us with their knowledge and they help us understand the problem and then we all understand what we need to solve and that on, on its own is far better than any of the previous consulting or waterfall techniques which kind of just go off and try to come up with a solution and come back so the collaborative nature of design thinking cuts through a lot of the risk in any transformation program by ensuring that the internal stakeholders are with us and we are with them uh, both through the definition of the problem the definition of the solution and then how we deploy and make sure it's adopted and that is the major de-risking factor that design thinking brings to any program mm -hmm. and that is massive uh, you don't just lose millions you you lose time if you lose two years in this market in most markets now you're you're dead um, and by undertaking the wrong transformation program uh, you're killing your business mm -hmm. by by opening it up to simple direct collaborative thinking uh, you have de-risked it mm -hmm. So, like the collaborative thinking and the and you know design thinking as well. Is this not something that like existing consultancies already do? I I firmly believe that the traditional consulting model is broken. Um, it 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 has some major flaws uh, that are not obvious to either business or to the consultancies themselves because of the. It looks like a long-term industry, but it's really only the last fifty to sixty years the consultancy has become a major offering. But it has fairly quickly moved into some static modes. I think some of the problems are it tends to separate the problem definition from the solution design. So you will often pay a lot of money for a market research report mm -hmm. from a large consultancy firm and, and then pay again to maybe undertake a different team to look at the solution and pay again to look at deployment. Mm -hmm. By separating the definition of the problem and making it very macro and very quantitative and very cross-market uh, analysis, type of, of, of report, you are losing the ability to define the problem, look at the solution and prototype the solution with, with the clients. Mm -hmm. um, it, by definition, large consultancies tend to hire experts in particular areas or silos, and you will get those experts in at particular phases in a program and then other experts later on. You tend to, they tend to be comfortable with what they're expert with in their own particular silo. They don't join up the dots very well, and you will pay for another team to come in for the next phase. Um, uh, and, and very few of them actually have the experience of going from problem definition to deployment. Very few. Uh, and I know that from years of, of experience with working alongside major consultancy firms who have certain key people that write the reports and some, certain key people that define the programs, certain key people that build. And often they don't even build, they don't deploy, they don't get to the market, they don't meet people in a real practical sense. And you're missing that link. Uh, you would pay a lot of money for people's uh, opinions on the market. 
but you very rarely learn the human truth of what will work and what won't work. Um, I think there's one other major problem with large consultancies is they have come to self-justify. Um, they are very commercial and very slick and their their agenda is always to provide more consultancy. So when you hire a consultancy, the sub-agenda from them is to make you dependent upon them to increase their billing and to make them part of your outsourced organization. Um, and I think that's a big problem. Our approach is very different. Um, our, we involve the customer from the very start to make sure that the definition is linked with the solution and we get out to the market with them and we prototype to make sure that there's a flow from the problem to the solution to the deployment to the adoption and back again. And we don't silo things as much. Um, our people are very practical and they have experience of going right from deep research to building front-end solutions to testing them to back again. Uh, very practical, been out, been through a lot of projects from end to end. And that's that's very relevant experience that stops you going down the wrong way or starts, stops you getting overpowered by analysis and statistics mm -hmm. and actually getting to what's real and practical and usable. Um, and our biggest thing, I guess, is, and this is the, the, the underlying value of our company, is that we are partners. True partners make you stronger. And we offer from the very first interaction with our customers the ability to build their capability in-house to train their people and to leave them stronger um, and for them not to be dependent on us um, some of our programs run from one to three years but we some of them run for less but an element of all of them is that we're trying to help them become a design thinking organization mm -hmm. and that they will be able to go into the future on their own with some governance if needed, but that we do not have an agenda to make them dependent on us. It's not good for us, it's not good for them, yeah. and it's not a good model. It is the model of traditional consulting, which I think is broken. Uh, what, does the, what does the future look like for, for each another? I actually do believe that it's based on partnership, which is one of our core values. Like our core values are about honesty, uh, so we're like we're well known within the industry, and we 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 want to keep that as a core value. Is that we're honest with clients. We don't tell them what they want to hear. Uh, we don't need to tell each other what we want to hear. We we want to make sure that we're getting to the truth, whether that's true research, true good design, and that we're not just doing what people ask us to do. And that, that to me is part of the integrity of consulting and, and the real value of it. We have disappointed clients by disagreeing with them, and eventually brought it to a great success. But we would stand by that. In fact, I find it difficult to get anyone in this building to do something that's against their ethics in terms of design, which is a good thing. It's a good thing because it actually is part of the real value. Uh, I think another part of the real value for us is partnership. And it's uh, when you work with each another, we're not a huge company, we're a small company, you are an important client to us. But more than that, we are invested in a number of ways in your success. We don't want the project to be done, we want the project to be successful. And uh, we can point to a whole raft of references where we have gone that extra mile and, and argued with the client to make sure that they know what success looks like and we reach there rather than doing a project and handing it over. So we very much are interested, even from our own point of view, to get good references, we are interested in making things successful. And that to me is one of the keystones of partnership. The other one is honesty. The other one is that the people that come into you from each other are all partners in their own business. Um, we, we share the rewards around, we're a, uh, an employee-owned business, and that is a big edge. We have entrepreneurial people coming into your building who want your project to succeed because it's good for you and it's good for them, and they share in the reward of that business. That's not something you get from somebody who's from an organization of 10,000 suits. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I believe that that partnership can be extended throughout Europe in a medium time frame. 
aware, like-minded, uh, intelligent consultants with integrity and design thinking chops can be brought into a network of uh, agencies uh, uh, as partners. And I think that's where our growth comes from, partnership.